0: Hey everybody, Eric here. Just wanted to pop in before the show and mention that we talk about the journey into sobriety in this episode. If you or someone you know are considering quitting drinking, please be sure to do your research, consult your physician, and do it safely. There's a lot of joy to be found in all shades of the drinking or sober experience, but there can be some pretty big health risks associated with quitting cold turkey. So please be safe, Be informed and encourage your friends and family to do likewise. Now, on to the show. Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern bar cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 253 of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this special Dry January interview episode where I've tracked down one of my favorite experts on zero-proof cocktails so that we can share his best secrets and drink hacks with you. This time around, I'm joined by my friend, John Schott. He's a service industry veteran with two decades of experience under his belt working at bars and restaurants here in the D.C. area, and he's here to download some serious wisdom about improving the quality of non-alcoholic cocktails both at home and at your favorite bars and restaurants. But before we jump into John's journey into sobriety, his approach to hospitality, and his favorite NA cocktail ingredients, let's take a quick pause so that you can make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is, well, not actually a cocktail, but a cocktail ingredient. It's saccharum. This is an ingredient that we've covered in the past, but it's something we really dig into deep during this conversation. So I figured I'd give you some technical insights into what it is and how to make it. The word itself, oleosaccharum, is a mashup of oil and sugar. And in the most traditional and widespread usage, this is precisely what it is. Generally, you take the peel of a citrus fruit, like a lemon, a lime, or an orange, and sprinkle sugar over it, perhaps gently muddling as you go. The sugar draws out the essential oils in the peel, which in turn partially or wholly liquefy the sugar, resulting in an unctuous, sweet, aromatic, proto-syrup that can be used to add weight and flavor to your favorite drinks. But as we discuss later on, you don't need to stop at citrus. You can make an oleosaccharum from the fragrant but inedible aspects of most fruits. Some of John's favorites include banana peels, green apple cores, pineapple skins, and watermelon rinds. And if you venture into the berry space, you can also end up with something like Matt Petrick's Analog Fashionola recipe, which I'll link to in the show notes. Two key variables to consider when crafting an oleosaccharum are, number one, what kind and how much sugar to use, and two, how to incorporate it into the drink. Of course, there are many varieties of sugar experience, and a superfine white is going to leave you with a very different product than a crusty, thick panela. But also keep in mind that the size of the granules will affect how long it takes to draw out the oils or water in your fruity substrate and the end texture of your creation. Depending on how thick or liquid your oleo turns out, you may need to make some smart choices about how to incorporate it into your drinks. Oleos are very powerful vehicles for flavor and texture, but it's gonna take a little bit of practice and repetition before you come up with a recipe that you can replicate on demand. So now that you've got a fun new way to upcycle the inedible parts of your fruit, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this wide-ranging conversation with bartender and drink consultant John Schott of Riff Raff Drink Company, some of the topics we discuss include The state of the non-alcoholic drink space and why language and placement are tricky and need to be dialed in for every unique bar or restaurant menu. John's personal journey into sobriety, including a brief detour selling home security systems and his return to working behind the bar. This also leads us to think about some of the softer nuances of making drinks of all sorts, how hospitality is an ingredient, how to make people feel good before anything goes into their body, and why drinking is ultimately about knowing yourself. Then we explore some of John's favorite hacks for making great non-alcoholic cocktails at home, which he's currently publishing as a series of videos over on the Riff Raff Drink Co. Instagram page. Along the way, we explore how to use guest feedback like sonar, the use of clarity as a vehicle for surprise in cocktails, the joys of nose-to-tail mint butchery, and much, much more. You can find John pouring free samples of his creations over at Umbrella Dry Drinks in Alexandria, Virginia, pretty much every Saturday, and you can reach out or follow along for his awesome instructional videos over on Instagram at riffraffdrink_co. co. This conversation is a great source of inspiration, whether you're participating in dry January or you're looking for ways to pack more flavor into your foolproof drinks. So with that, please enjoy my chat with the one and only John Schott. John, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey! Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Good to be here, man. Yeah,
0: it's good to see you. Uh, We we were lucky enough to run into each other a couple times over the course of like the last six months or so, uh, which is kind of why you were Mm -hmm. on my mind for this little dry January edition of the show. But before we jump in, could you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Who are you? What do you do?
1: Yeah. Hey, I'm John Shot. I am industry professional. I guess it's like a loose term to say I'm still in this industry. You know, twenty some years after I started when I was a teenager. Um so uh I, I guess I I started as a dishwasher like most people are bar back, but um I, I'm a cocktail consultant um now. Um I've owned and operated uh several small cocktail bars in the the DMV area. Um and now here I sit as cocktail consultant and loving dog dad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's and that's me in a nutshell. I've, I've been lucky enough to compete on the national level like about a half dozen times now, um, cocktail competitions and um, and in earlier days, flair. So yeah, I guess that's me in a
0: little nutshell there. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it reminds me of the um, the the saying of like the second best day of your life is when you buy a boat. The best day of your life is when you sell the boat. It's kind of like
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Uh, so- but but again, but those those places as they provided. We got to hang out. One of those two times we hung out, we had to see each other. The one was that when you were judging the competition. yeah, And that was my last shift uh, with the company. And there couldn't have been a cooler way to close it out, right? A bartending competition. It was tight, the competition. It and it was... And a lot of good energy in that room. So it's a, a fun way to go yeah, out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, lots of good memories about that. But we're here today to talk a little bit about your, I guess, one of your primary focuses now, which is Zero Proof, yeah. or like, what's your preferred no ABV cocktail name? Oh, my God.
1: You know, honestly, right now, it's an interesting line of <laughs> like... Because like okay, so for me, I, I'm sa- it depends for a restaurant, honestly, like how they want to phrase it, um, and you know how restaurants, even menus for drink names, right? People like to say, do you just say this is uh, a Manhattan, and then you just say what your riff is, or do you have some sort of punny name for it, right? Um, <laughs> and it's kind of a kind of like the same way with um, a spirit-free drink, you know, uh, or an alternative or nwa or na mocktail i think sucks right like straight away um it's in the name and i think that word words are important you know and um it's right there in the name and and i think that anything that's like an na a spirit free a dry drink right it's already going up an uphill battle so for other people to sympathize with their their friends going out with them, a mocktail doesn't really ring. Um, you know what I mean? Especially if it's a place where they really put some care and thought into those uh, into that drink. Um, so that's like a really bad answer for you, right? I'm like, I don't have a great one. Because spirit free doesn't really ring or roll off the tongue, right? It doesn't necessarily hit the ear well. Mm. And like, I like to joke around and tell people I'm a spirit freak, right? Because like, I love spirits in general. Mm -hmm. But if I spell freak with a free, I'm just not drinking. But you know, it's just shades of it. Everybody knows mocktails. There's a National Mocktail Week this month as well, too. So um, it it may be a phrase that we're stuck with, And, and for some people, they may also not even think that that's negative, you know? So oh, that's what it's just called. Sure. So I, I also like, I like NWA. So I love hip hop anyway. Yeah. So NWA, not with alcohol. And, and it makes it fun for me too. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean, yeah, in one sense, a bit of a tricky answer. In another sense, I think it highlights one of the, I guess, characteristics of the space, which is it's kind of squishy. It's hard to pin down. Yo. It's hard to do well. And so, I mean, you're actually talking to somebody who I kind of appreciate the word mocktail. Now, not for like a really well-made like, you know, super super high-end like thoughtful culinary creation. I think that's a non-alcoholic cocktail, but I I think I think like if we're if we're getting really bent out of shape about mocktail, we also have to go and attack mock neck shirks and mock trial teams and you know all the other all the oh, o- all enough. the other mocks that that kind of you know mock turtle soup you know like down Eric
1: I'm just a I'm just <laughs> sensitive okay I'm a sensitive guy all right?
0: no I got you um, I got you but, but
1: but it does it's clever at least right it rolls off the tongue well, mocktail people are used to it and and to be fair if people are like cool that's what it is and accepting instead of saying. What the f is that, and why would I? Why would I even want something without alcohol? Like we'll take it. You know what I mean? I was my tail. We'll take it. Well,
0: and that's my favorite thing about that word is rhymes with cocktail. It's not a yeah. cocktail, but it kind of rhymes. It's in the same space, but it's not quite the same. It kind of what it does is it activates what I uh, kind of refer to as the uncanny valley. Not just me. That's a, a technical term where it's like you're like something's not quite right here with mocktail and I, yeah. I think with an actual non-alcoholic cocktail and we'll kind of dig into some of the the nuts and bolts here in a minute I think the difference there is that something is right with that with a, with a real non-alcoholic cocktail it's clicking on all cylinders in a way that a mocktail is not there wasn't as much thought put in so I I kind of I I think there should be gradients but I I also and I think you'll sympathize with this I also don't think that anything that's called a mocktail should cost nearly as much as a spirit free or non-alcoholic cocktail I think it should be something like a tea and tonic or something like that
1: yeah and and those for me too like a lot of times because someone last night we were doing a live uh, Instagram live at the dry bottle shop last night because you know And maybe I'll step to more of this later, but people making mocktails or spirit-free alternative cocktails or, you know, NA drinks, all of a sudden are making drinks at home maybe for the first time, you know, and they don't know what to do with it, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's similar to like, hey, I'd like to make a cocktail at home. Same thing. Like, what do do I start? What do I do? I know I can go to the ABC store and get a bottle, but what do I do with it uh, after I procure that bottle, right? Uh, but someone said, we were having a time about what a mixer is, right? And they're like, well, why we can't we can't just use mixers for stuff? And I said, well, what's mixer mean to you? Because mixer to me might be like, I it, it throws shades of college to me as a mixer or like a party. And like, I'm adding one thing. And like, now the drink is like complete. It's mixed as I pour it. So a carbonated something, you know, and that to me is like a mocktail, right? Like, it's like a mock beverage, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just an interesting, interesting thought, right? Like what are mixers even? Sure. Right? Well, and um,
0: even, even that word mix is like, I, I remember I did, I looked into the etymology of it and there's a, there's a promiscuity and a chaos associated with, it. if you look up like the etymology of the word mix, it's like, yeah. it's mongrel, it's bastard, it's things that shouldn't necessarily be touching. Oh, yeah.
1: Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like an off. Yeah. And so you're right. And, and And we're saying words are important, right? And it's like – but again, Mixer, you'll find – I'm on both sides of like whatever arguments are because I love cocktails and all that stuff too. But uh, I live in this world uh, as well. Um, So – anyway, it's it's both sides of that, that argument.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good segue. Let's talk before we get into, you know, cocktail nuts and bolts. Let's talk about a little bit more about your journey into the NA space with whatever you're willing to share about kind of how that progressed, uh, through the course of your career.
1: Okay, cool. I can like, I'll give you, I think it's important to be honest, right? Um, so like I'm in recovery myself, okay. I'm, I'm at six and a half years without consuming alcohol, right? That's right. That's crazy to say out loud. Yeah, congrats. Sometimes. It's huge. Um, thanks. Yeah. And if anyone's listening who had like known me before, you know, they probably also think that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but like for me, yeah, so so six and a half years with without it. But in but in the NA space myself, always worked in restaurants. I had my first restaurant job when I was 15 years old, right? So for me, in the restaurants industry, right, it's something that now we're just kind of seemingly waking up to, right? But, like, the culture, too, in it. So, like, I had a drinking problem long before I knew I had one, too, right? But it was because it's what we did, right, as, like, a team, even. It was team-related activities, mm-hmm. too, like the drinking, those bonding, right? Yep. And, and 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 spirits, in general, and views well are, like, such a beautiful creation, too, for that thing, too. Um, that's what they're there for, uh, really. So working in restaurants, coming up, drinking, right? Um, and for myself, um, I also found that that was getting in the way of my career, too. I think I see all the time um, that those, um, not to like shift it too much, but you think of like habits and healthy habits and what makes, I've been so lucky to like work next to and learn from and so somebody successful. Barkeep's keeps, right? And who've done their own things, right? And finishing every shift and going to the bar afterwards or going to another bar is a part of it, right? But like staying there the whole time and then going and drinking afterwards, right? Not the best thing, right? And I think that's like a thing in our industry that's like, no, that's what you do. You go out and do that. And it's just a lot of unhealthy habits unfolding at once. Also bad financial habits and stuff yeah, it's as well. Very true too. on the
0: financial front. I mean, you do sort of have to sympathize though in, in a certain respect. You are talking about that community aspect and and one of the things that I really love about the hospitality industry is that even though you do run into some problem personalities now and again by and large, as a community, it's got one of the tightest, most kind of convivial feels of any any group of people I've ever worked with. And I think, you know, before I dove in all the way, I remember I remember getting this office job at a law firm. I was, I was, I was doing marketing at at an IP firm. And I remember like meeting all these people I was working with. And I'm like, man, you people are really nice. But I'm bored just looking at you, and yes. that's something that you don't get in the service industry. You get nice people, but they're also interesting, dynamic, and sometimes it gets a little silly. When, and this, the spirits and the and the drinking are all a part of that. So I I do sympathize. Yeah. I sympathize with both sides. The you know the dark and the light of that.
1: Yeah, but that's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we live in. And my world and your world is balance, right? Balancing drinks, and then like. I like to use that as a mantra, like you know, echoing outwards in, in life. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you bring that up because it, it is very pertinent to like what happened for me. I, at a certain point was like, I need to make changes. I had stopped. I had tried to stop drinking um, a bunch of times, you know, it's like usually how it goes. Um, I walked out of a job that um, I was, uh, I, oh, I was uh, not a restaurant I opened. I was won't even say it was not a restaurant. I opened for some people. as a consultant and, train the staff and do the whole thing. And one day I said, came up out of the basement office and I put my keys on the table. And this is that, there's all other background things, right? You lead up to making a really big change in your life. And I said, I really had to apologize. This is my immediate notice. I'm so sorry for doing this. Um, I'm like pretty drunk at this point too, just to be clear and like not to be awkward, but the kind of drunk where like, you wouldn't know I was drunk because of how much, you know what I mean? I'm on a regular day basis. And I said, I'm so sorry. I've been in the basement drinking like all day long and nobody even noticed. So I have to get out of this place and thank you guys for the opportunity. I'm so sorry for the position. I put you in and I left, right? Um, now, I did a thing that I think, well, this is a dumb thing. I don't think anybody should do this. I think like I werewolfed myself, right? like I didn't quit drinking that day. Um, i still i'm an alcoholic so i still went home and went well i made a right decision and kept drinking for a bit to celebrate it right but when i woke up i like locked myself in a bathroom right and i um detoxed in there by myself and it sucked mm. and if you need help with those things certainly reach out there's a lot of services there's a lot of places to go i only say that because like it's just not a healthy way to go about it Right. Right. And it could also do, it could also do a lot of dangers to your health. And so I just want to bring that up as a warning. Like when, if you are like been drinking for a long time and you're ready to quit, there's a lot of great things that can help you with it. And if you're going to cold turkey it, right. Um, you might want to check like what it's going to do for you health wise. Right. You know, you could have seizures, um, a lot of other things that happen with it. Now on the other side of things to go to what you were saying about like office jobs, I was like, Cool. So here I have to go now restarting and which is a scary joint, right? A scary restart. And so I, I was jumping from some sales jobs, right? We're bar keeps. I have a gift of gab. I can sell some stuff, right? Um, I can sell some home security systems, right? Ugh, gross. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it might be nice to give someone security systems, a sense of security, probably something I was like looking for at the time. You know what I mean? And I thought it was gross and trashy, right? And like the I couldn't connect with the people. Mm -hmm. And even in that office though, if I told people I don't drink anymore, they were like, oh no, thanks. Like separate, distance, not trying to be there. And you talk about that sense of community in restaurants, right? And I was like, man, what is the deal with this? This stinks. So I'm going back to like where I live. And first and I'm still throwing my flare bottles around right and stuff in my like free time and I'm like why am I still doing these things right and I thought what if I get back into restaurants when I came back into the restaurants and I was telling people hey look I don't drink anymore no one batted an eye at it in a restaurant because they know right and Mm -hmm. if you say no like and this is a long time ago and most of the staff and everyone's like okay great at least thanks for not making yourself a problem for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the re- the restaurant, like the, pl- like the place that served the alcohol was the best place for me to escape it too, which was rad, you know? Um, and I was lucky enough to like have a good career before that. So like, I reached out to an old general manager of mine and he was at a place. I said, hey, I I haven't had a drink in six months and I think I want to step behind a bar and I'm ready to do this thing. But if I come behind that bar and I feel in a certain way, I was like, I'm walking. like I'm jetting right away. And I was like, it could be mid-shift. Okay, is that cool with you? And he said, yeah. And it felt great, man. Like I went back there and the bar was familiar like an old friend.
0: Well, I mean, it's crazy that the place that was you know, kind of the genesis of the problem, the place with the booze ended up being like the the safest place for you to end up being, uh, in the end. Um, thank you for, for sharing that story. We'll definitely put a little, um, we'll put a little pre preamble on this, um, to, uh, just make sure that if folks are considering, uh, you know, quitting, quitting drinking, that they, they reach out to resources so that you and I aren't, uh, no. we're not liable for giving medical advice here. Um, no, but, uh, so, all right. So I guess the next logical question would be, all right, so you are now you're sort of like John shot 2.0 back behind the bar. <laughs> what's, yeah, yeah. what's, what's different now and how do you think about drinks differently? And was this when you started kind of more seriously thinking about non-alcoholic spirits and cocktails?
1: I honestly, in the beginning, wasn't thinking that at all straight up because I also didn't want to do anything that was like mimicking um, drinks for myself at home because I was like, I hadn't, I wasn't fully trusting myself yet, to be honest, you know, at work, there's people around, I'm busy, you know, I have focus and drive. You have to make sure you're strong because at the end of the day, you go back somewhere by yourself. Right. So I was like, I shouldn't be mixing up stuff at home. Right. That's like a, a, a mocktail or anything just because like, I don't think I'm ready for it yet. So I really shifted my focus on service and hospitality because that's what was bringing me back, right? It even wasn't really even the drinks that was bringing me back. It was the hospitality. It was the people on both sides of the bar. And for a long time, I had actually some guilt about how I felt like I had neglected people on the other side of the bar though because I'm serving myself behind the bar so much, right? And I'm like, well, shit, sorry, but you know what I mean? Like, mm. I got to focus on these people. And it was a really great thing that was... Li- so trying to understand the other people on the other side of the bar, as opposed to being a bartender who's like, they keep asking me dumb questions, you know? How come my guests don't know what these things are, right? Which is like a pretty common thing in the industry, right? And we get... Because it's fun to joke about this stuff post-shift, right? But I was like... It's not their job right and i probably sound dumb when i'm at my mechanic or something as well you yeah, know and i yeah. hope that they're not doing the same to me so just listening to what people are saying on the other side of the bar and and going from there on building a drink like it kind of going into it like i was blind almost because i wasn't tasting i was doing stuff by nose classic kind of builds but then you know i was making cordials or making syrups or whatever and tasting those on their own, and seeing where the drink might go from there. But giving drinks to people and hearing their feedback about it, and doing my builds based on that, it was a really great way to connect with the guest. Right. So that was and the and first these thing are I these was are like
0: foolproof builds. These are foolproof builds. Yeah. So it's, foolproof it's, builds. you're almost like using sonar at this point. Right. So like you, you've almost taken an entire sense away and you like ping something out and then you have to listen for the response that you get back from that. And then you make an, make an adjustment if you need yeah. to.
1: But what's the ultimate response, right? It's the guest enjoying it. Right. And, and at the end of the day, so I was like, man, I really lost focus on that because it, it's like about mm. maybe thinking of something other than yourself too. is like part of like coming back to this and, that's what hospitality is you have a team of people you're working with and then a group of people you're serving and you have to have be considerate of a bunch of other people's thoughts feelings emotions whatever i think it's what makes restaurant people empathetic and great so um yeah, yeah. I, so just going based on their reactions to the drink and like what am i instead of making drinks cuz before too i wasn't making drinks and giving them to the guests to taste and try necessarily I was making drinks that I thought were good and like that was the end all, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I think this is good. It has my personal stamp of approval on it, done. And that's a selfish way to think about hospitality, you know, that's that's the wrong way. So it it, it certainly brought me back around to being a, a better bartender, a, be, a better at hospitality for sure too.
0: And one of the things that I noticed When back in like 2016, 2017, the conversations at places like Tales of the Cocktail and you know, conversations being held at you know, like guild meetings, stuff like that, that's when those conversations started turning really heavily toward hospitality. When you know, we had all figured out how to make all these different you know, cocktail formats again, uh, you know, the, the hospitality, you know, like the question of what defines a good hospitality experience is, you know, became front and center. And then very soon after that, you saw sort of the, the health and wellness questions pop up. So I do think that health and wellness kind of trails along, right side, kind of as a sidecar to that, the notion of hospitality. So I, th- I think, I think your story is, is actually, you know, pretty, pretty in line with kind of the way that like mm-hmm. a, a large portion of the best minds in our industry have been kind of moving.
1: So, well also, but also to jump in, I'm sorry, but the health and wellness also at that time was a big focus on, on the, the staff for the first time, I think the Mm -hmm. staff themselves, how the staff are viewed and treated at work, right? So like mental health for staff, but then that came real quick with like physical health too. Like your mental health can't be just, I go out and I have 10 shots of Fernet, right? And we forget all the stuff. And like Fernet times with your buddies at work are great for real, you know? But also that maybe if I wanna be mentally healthy and more happy too, there's like some parts of it on our end too that, like, I should treat myself better, you know, if I want, you know, and, and that's the, all those things were happening at the same time, yeah. which is kind of what brings us to now dry January 2023.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts then. So we've got you, we've got your story uh, through all the different kind of shades of that experience boozy, recovery, hospitality. Now, you're kind of, maybe we should explain what you're doing now, right? And then talk talk about how that relates to building these cocktails at home or in a bar.
1: Well, so the the spirit-free drinks at the bars, too, and I probably should segue to this, too. I I felt like it was like a responsibility of mine. People would be like, oh, you don't drink. So you must have a whole lineup of all this stuff for us. And I was like, oh, shoot, I don't, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And then I feel like I'm really letting, letting people down too, right? Because I would like also for other people in the restaurant industry who are like, cool, you can be really successful and happy, more importantly, happy in the restaurant industry if you don't drink, right, still. And I'm like, man, but if I don't have anything to offer those people at the bar when they want to come hang out, what what a, what a joke. So First thing we did, by the way, was was putting, which I think is so important. I just put some spirit-free drinks on our cocktail menu and just said that they didn't have alcohol in them. But it was just in our cocktail menu, not a separate section, mm-hmm. not a kid's menu, you know, not sodas or juices. It was just there. And it did great because then people who drank saw that it was there and it's like at least subconsciously mm-hmm. putting it in. And they said, oh, it's without alcohol. And you say, yeah. I say kind of get it with alcohol. Yeah. Sure. i will yeah. swap one out for you, right? Yeah. So that was that was a big one for me in that beginning and that 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 sparked a lot of things for me because then people were getting so excited and coming to the bar. It was a little touch that like really went a long way for people. Mm-hmm. So then doing like so and we started to do some like dinners with like LP, right? And and we did some spirit-free dinners together which was like, you know, a great time and obviously she's psyched She's like such an inspiration and fun, knowledgeable person, right? Those dinners were a blast too. And it's like all those dinners too, no but no those those things were fun events. And I like as a barkeep, you like to, you know, help people, right? You like to make people feel good. And this is a space and a space now that needs it, right? It's like full of questions. So right now I work for myself which has been rad and I've been consulting and a big part of what I've been doing is partnering with, um, my friend, Sam casting of umbrella, dry drinks. It is the only spirit free bottle shop in the DMV. It was the first one in Virginia. It was one of the, one of the first ones in the country, you know, up there. And like, you know, the first couple dozen of them in the country and, um, which is a bold move to do. And it's an awesome thing. Um And so, partnering with her there, um, teaching people how to make drinks uh, specifically, because, like I was saying, if you stop drinking for whatever reason, you're all of a sudden making yourself drinks at home, probably because you're not going out. So, right now, with the consulting, teaching bars too how to put spirit free options on their menu and have it be profitable to them, explaining it to them, like how it can work, because people's eyes pop out when they're like it's the same price as liquor you know but it doesn't even do anything and you're like well <laughs> uh, um so that's so right now that's what I you know it doesn't do anything um but that's so that's what I'm doing right now and and so the for one the consulting projects are such a fun time because you get to do things with intent which is great um and so let's go do this project specifically and we were just in Cafe 44 yesterday in, in uh, Old Town, Alexandria. We're training a full staff on um, spirit-free options, right? And that stuff is so fun. And you can see that it's a field that everybody needs help in because they're a staff that, like, they're – and especially in these times, the shortest amount – the shortest tenured staff member is six months there right now, which is, like – and everybody else is, like, two years plus. So they're seasoned. They're pros. And they they make cocktails, they have a big cocktail menu. And when it comes to the spirit-free stuff, when you say questions, like all the hands up, you know? And so people need that education right now too.
0: Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Near Country Provisions. Yep, you've heard me singing their praises for the past year now. And to answer a question I'm frequently asked, yes. I still do a little happy dance when my monthly subscription shows up at my door on dry ice and in an insulated bag. I want to highlight a couple aspects of near country that normally take the backseat to their meat quality and their impeccable local sourcing, those being affordability and customization. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the price of groceries lately, but the cost of meat, even the factory farm stuff, has been skyrocketing. But because Near Country keeps things local to the Mid-Atlantic, your meat doesn't have to travel far, and it doesn't change hands half a dozen times before it hits shelves, meaning you don't have to pay for all those markups from middlemen. Every time I do a price comparison between Near Country and the grocery store, I'm blown away by the quality that I'm getting relative to the cost. And when it comes to flexibility, I've never worked with a subscription service where I have so much control. Let's say, for example, that you've got something against pork chops. Every month, Adam and his team send around a survey that allows you to say, Hey, I don't want pork chops this month. Or, I don't want pork chops ever again. Or, a more reasonable request, I'd love it if you could include pork chops in my delivery every month. Preferences change, diets change, and special requests and cuts are always on your mind at certain times of the year and Near Country gets that. They bend over backwards to help meet your changing needs. Head over to nearcountry.com and enter the code BARCART, all one word, that's B-A-R-C-A-R-T, when you sign up for your subscription to receive two free pounds of bacon or ground beef in your first delivery. And believe me, you'll be glad that you did. Now back to the show. Well, you said something that I thought was a, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's darkly funny, right? It doesn't even do anything. But (laughs) on the other hand, to me, that's like, that's something I always crave in a spirit-free cocktail. And I can, I can certainly share with you that I've had experiences with spirit-free cocktails that I've actually enjoyed a number of times that would fit on a single hand of fingers, right? Like it, there have not been too, too many really memorable spirit free cocktail experiences yeah, that I've had. And what I'm always craving, what I, I'm always craving I find is that what is it doing? And so like, you know, something that I've often found myself playing with is like, all right, like whether it's doing something functional right whether there's some caffeine in here that's like moving me up in energy or whether there's some sort of like adaptogen or like like let's say, like even mm-hmm. if there was a drink that like really operated on turmeric and was like oh yeah. yeah like hey here's this like functional like it's anti-inflammatory and like you're going to drink this and you know it might you, even if it's just you know quote unquote the placebo effect of knowing that you're drinking turmeric well turmeric still does have those wonderful anti-inflammatory and, you know, side note, it's delicious qualities. Um, and so it is, it is doing something in that respect. And so do you ever think about that? Like as a, as a way to come up with zero proof cocktail specs that are interesting and more compelling than just saying like then than just swapping out the booze for like you know X, X non-alcoholic whiskey if that makes any sense
1: yeah I don't think that's I, for me I, I think you have to it's like with any cocktail like you can't just like what's the base of my like whiskey sour you know what I mean what whiskey am I picking something less acidic right so like they're uh, trying to as much as you can because I'm adding a significant amount of acid to this final drink build right so like you have to consider all ingredients whenever you're making a drink whether it's with or without like they all have to be considered and the guest always had to be considered too this drink has to be special and unique because why else are they coming to this place if it's at my bar it probably if it's on my bar menu they can't be able to recreate recreate it at home right so now it has to be special and it has to be fun right if it's something that they re- they make at home, we can make it for them, right? But for the menu ones, why else do they come into the bar, right? And, and it's something like it doesn't do anything, right, to like lean in on that because there's like terpenes, right, adaptogens, right, all these different things we can put in the drinks. Now, if you're a person who is on the up and up with some of this stuff and, and, and like especially if you're in recovery, if you're mindful of health, Et you're You're aware of these things. Now on the reverse side, if you're not aware of them, they're scary words sometimes to people. What's in this can? We know to look at ingredients now, you know, for a long time but it's like, Oh, what is it? It's from what plant? This must be terrible for me or something, or I don't need all that, you know, is sometimes those things can muddy it. But the very root of like a cocktail for me, like, what does it make? It makes you feel good. Like, The ethanol, sure, right? will will make you change your mood. But like the best drink you can ever have, I think, we always joke in our house, what's the best drink you have? It's a drink someone made for you, right? Just open-ended. Some thought, consideration, and time went into it. You didn't have to do anything and it was made. It's a nice feeling, right? What's so nice about a cocktail? It's composed, right? Um, There's an art to it. I like reach for a glass that's around, like here's like a a Ross glass, right? It comes in a nice glass, It's, it's, it's put together. So when I'm holding it, I'm all of a sudden maybe feeling good about myself just to begin with, before anything's gone into my body, right? I feel nice about this situation. So like that experience is nice too. The bar has been luckily set so low for NA beverages, right? That if you're a person who doesn't drink and you go out, a nicely balanced drink like that is awesome, you know? Um, and, the, and the ability to get it without having to explain to your server, barkeep, whomever about it, you know, is a great thing. And, and so just to be able to provide the same experience, right? Because I think if you're an NA person, you're just looking to maybe go unnoticed in the restaurant, you know, and and unnoticed and like, oh, cool. I just got to go in and have a good time for me. And I didn't feel like I poked out at any point. And like the record skip situation happened and everyone heard me ask for an A drink, right? So that's one thing I think that the drinks do really, really well, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and that's my rant on them. Like just the cocktail experience itself is such a fun livening thing and like good feeling like everyone should get that fun feeling
0: yeah so I, I what you were saying about not being able to create it at home is kind of interesting to me because this podcast at its heart is about teaching people how to make great drinks at home and it's oh, mostly about i love it it's mostly about boozy cocktails right So, so now you've kind of, now you're, now you've kind of drawn a slight distinction in my mind because I find myself like my gut feeling is that, oh, I agree with you on this, but like I can make myself a Negroni as good, if not better as any bar within a mile of me right now. Let's say I'm in, I'm in DC right now, any bar within a mile of me, I can make a Negroni that is as good, if not better than the one that they're going to plop down in front of me. I didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do that, but, but it's, it's attainable. And so does that mean that great non-alcoholic cocktails out at a bar, out at a great restaurant, is that one, is that like one of the big value props for you is that it's like, Ooh, this is this is a level of technicality and execution and intention, like all the other softer, squishier lovey things that you were talking about. That's, Mm -hmm a bar above what you're going to be able to do at home without investing a ton of time and resources. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah, but I think that it's, but for me, it starts with the home bartending though, right? It's, it always does because then you know what you like and why do you make a Negroni that well? You know what you like, right? And probably why you could make it better than the other bars because they don't know you yet. Right. And like, you can say, I prefer like, a Torino, right? Vermouth in mine. Or I prefer, I like Amaro instead of, you know, instead of the, the traditional bitter, right? It, like, you know it because you've tinkered, you know, and like you know yourself, right? Which is also what drinking is about, is knowing yourself, right? A home barkeep. I love home barkeeps. And it's a big part of right now the videos I've been recording. And we only have three of them up right now on Riffraff, but changing the format too, I've just built this whole setup in my kitchen at home to be like, this is what it's going to look like for most home bar keeps too. Mm. And this is the scenario they're going to be in. Because if you know how to make, like what is a cocktail, right? Like, so let's look at our ingredients as my base, right? Or technically it's a spirit for a cocktail, right? By definition. But I always just say base so that people get a better view of it. If it's spirit free, I'm going to have a bitter in there. I'm gonna have a sweetener in there. I need water, you know, probably in the form of ice, most likely. And then like now some citrus as well, right, is probably, but technically in the 1806, it's just the first four, right? But at home, if I know that like, I don't like things too sour, right? Or I do like things a little bit more bitter, or I like a sipping drink, or I like an egg white drink, like some little things, right? then you have some valuable information to then take to the bar, right? So that you're getting a drink someone's making for you, right? And dude, a Negroni is obviously awesome, right? And like it just has its time and place always, right? And it is great that you can get it at a bar, right? But they also at that bar might be like, cool, I have this gin I put in it, right? Like something maybe as a little different or a touch of it, right? Um, or they have a really nice ice cube at that bar, and you don't at home, right? Where they manicured your, they manicured a zest for you, you know, something, right? Right. right, right. Um, and at the end of the day, they cleaned it up after you too, and you just got to go home, which <laughs> is <was just> great. <laughs> but but if you are a home bartender, and what I'm trying to start doing at Riff Raff now too is like these videos of these are e- easier things to make at home, and I think that. If you know how to make these things at home, you can keep kind of like leveling up and learning more about yourself. When you go out to the bar, right? Like you can give valuable information to that barkeep, right? Who also desperately wants it, right? Because I would love it if someone came up, um, let's talk about a Negroni and someone comes to the bar and what's a very common thing today. You hand them a menu and it's a bunch of things that say, we do these things well. And the person goes, awesome, right to the side. And they say, what's good? Or can you make me something special, (laughs) right? Folks, just to let you know, that menu is special, a lot of work. But they can say, not too sweet, right? Yeah. And if you made them a Negroni, like you made something not too sweet. Sure, sure. But man, it might not be what they
0: want. Well, that's, that's, uh, maybe a slightly different problem. Uh, it's more about, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Going and knowing what you want. And like, like you said, drinking is about knowing yourself. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about riffraff because you, you kind of referenced cool. it, but, but so yeah, wh- what, what is, what is riffraff? What's the ethos behind it? And yeah, you've been doing some, some great educational stuff. What are some of the moves like drop some, drop some, I, I hesitate to call them hacks because that's kind of hacky sounding, but. You know, t- what are some of those? One of the some of those moves that are really going to move the needle for people who are trying to create these drinks at home for Dry January, for example, or any other time in the year.
1: I, I think for me is is like one thing I know is looking at recipes online, and at, for me, I don't know my my brain sometimes is like how'd they get from four to five, right? And it seems rather simple. So like you go steps one, two, three, four, five, and you're like that seemed like a big jump for me. Having a video to show things is really helpful, but I, for one, I like having a full video, like not because, hey, look, here I am in it, but like, here's my full workspace too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to look like this for you too. And people can learn little nuances by watching so many things, right? Like, here's how I set up a station for a home so that I don't make a mess, like that it's clean, that it's fun. But so that when you're making the stuff, people can connect the dots. It kind of comes from, staff training forever too for so many years of staff trainings because i think you see all these videos now because it's like we want things quick 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 too right and i i don't really even feel like i need to touch that audience right because cocktails aren't for always those people right and it's like a tricky tricky thing now because you see the videos of you just see a glass and like whoop something gets dropped in and then cuts another thing drop in and then cut to another thing drops in. I, it's kind of misleading because you're like well, behind the scenes, that's, that syrup got made, you know, and things like that. There and, and there's so many little nuances we learn at the bar. So trying to teach the basic things at the bar that are helpful to people too. Like if you're making a simple syrup at home, you don't have to make a quart of it either. You know, like how much drinking are you going to be doing? And and to try to make it fun for people too, like how to stir a drink, right? Like if you don't want to buy all the bar supplies, I don't care if you want to use a butter knife. That's fun, you know. Um, we're not at a bar, and no one's. You're making it for yourself, you know. As long as they're understanding that, like I'm moving the ice as like a unit in the glass, and what the ice is doing is it's diluting this drink, and it's if it's with 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 alcohol, it's opening it up, right. And then if it's without alcohol, we're gonna dilute it maybe just a touch less so that we keep some good texture to the to the cocktail. Wait,
0: yeah, maybe even chill those chill those na spirits down uh, beforehand. Even is a good, good man. It's a good super
1: clever move right there. Like and, and and little things like that. And I think like citrus for me is a huge one, which now has like citrus tends to become the messy part of the home bartending. People don't want to do, and obviously at work too. It's like juicing. Uh, is its whole thing. So another thing with riffraff, um, sustainability, right, is another one of those words that everyone is like, throwing around and like, this and that, right? I think it's nice to teach people little home techniques to sustainability wise, of like, oh, I can make something or like, if I'm like, like the banana peel oleo for me, right, is such like a a classic one, right? My partner, she's going to eat bananas in the morning right before work right i'll probably eat a banana too like not as much as i should i mean just be real but like then there's just a leftover banana peel right so it's trash it's something that people might overlook oftentimes right but you probably you know like there's great flavor in that banana peel right actually bet probably better banana flavor to be pulled out than like a really fibrous banana right like to work into a pourable syrup etc bananas can become tricky so great here's this leftover thing it's free too great it's there to pour sugar over it and then like at home i have a banana syrup and it also was essentially free like i had things at home to make it right so so if you start teaching a little bit of things that are like sustainable techniques for people at home and ways to get a little bit more use out of their product because Man, after all these years in the bar industry, and I'm also guilty of it myself, just the waste I've seen of like, eat, like, so like a mint one, like, here's the easy mint thing at home that I love to do. And I think it's such a waste. I'll see people do this all the time. Mint garnish. Let me like grab the mint by the sprig right here. Pluck all these mint leaves off that are really tasty and awesome. And like, poof, they're gone, right? Like, they never got to do anything. And the sprig goes in. Cool. We slap it. Woo. Right. Mm -hmm. We slap it and put it in. And that's it. Right. But like, so the mint was stripped. Right. Gutted. And like the mint leaves weren't used necessarily. The sprig went in for one use. And it's done. Right. Sad. You know, people shock their mint. Right. And if you want to like, I don't know at home how how important it is to shock your mint, right? Unless you're doing a fun dinner party or like a little hosting, which I think is rad. And I'd like for people to do that. But if you just cold brew your mint in the fridge, right? In a core container with water, one, it's gonna sit there for a few days, really nice without browning stuff. But then also one, you have really, really tasty cold brewed mint tea water, right? That is completely clear and delicious dude like delicious delicious delicious. now you can also then mix sugar into that too and now i have a mint syrup that's like bang it's a big one and i've stretched that mint out a good amount too and i have something tasty those little type of hacks i think a home bartender can do something like that right like that's not asking someone to do too many things there's like because there's things that like cool let's take our almonds, and then let's dehydrate it, and then we're going to take the pulp, and then we'll do this. I think those are a lot of steps sometimes. Sure, for bartenders, for home bartenders. Yeah,
0: yeah. But well, that that's what I like. I mean, you know, it, it's nice to have you as sort of this filter, right? Because coming from the industry where you've done these things yourself, you've seen them done, you understand the labor that goes into them. Like the difference between a bartender, a professional bartender, and a home bartender isn't all that much. They're both people with generally two arms, two hands, two legs, some some sort of fridge, right? Like the, the materials, until we start getting to, you know, rotavaps and industrial juicers, like that's just the very apex of what's possible. But anything Below that very apex is probably feasible in some way at home. So I love I love the this the the couple of hacks that you just kind of threw out there. The banana oleo sounds delicious. I can't believe I've never thought I've oleoed so many things. A banana uh, yeah. just hasn't been one of them to date. But uh, that I mean that but, and, and it's but it's so easy.
1: Well, the oleos for me, i would like it's big on it because one, you know, depending on what you're using right like you might not have to add water to it depending right like like a zest's right i gotta add water meaning the rest of the oils off of them but if i'm using like like i love like a green apple core any apple core oleo too right mm. um throw the apple cores and there's plenty of liquid to be pulled out of that i might not have to cut it with much water right especially if i'm doing a spirit-free drink where like uh, texture is like very touchy, touch and go. Um, to have something add that weight and texture to it and when I shake it up, there's already going to get diluted and get diluted quick, right? Yeah. So I don't want to add too much water from the, the get-go, right? Because we already are working with a good amount in it. But also those are easy techniques where like if I take a pineapple, a uh, 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 rind, right? And I oleo that, get a beautiful pineapple mm-hmm. syrup a watermelon rind, right? Now, the other thing that's cool about it is is oftentimes most of them end up being pretty clear as well. Man, I always like to be like, when I was a kid, like the Pepsi clear used to blow my mind, yep. you know? And I was like, you, you get to give people that like, it's watermelon, it's clear, it's green apple, it's clear. And now you as a home barkeep, pretty cool, fun sensory experience drink sort of going on.
0: I like that notion of clarity as a vehicle for surprise, right? Because one of the things that we crave and that we go out of our way for in cocktails is like like I I am not a risk taker or a thrill seeker except with my mouth. Like I want to put the weirdest, strangest, most surprising things in my <laughs> mouth possible. And I'm fine if this okay. I'm fine if this clip gets co opted for, for any number <laughs> of meetings. <laughs> but whatever, well man. Do you think? But but yeah, no. I, I would say I'm, I would say that I'm a sensory thrill seeker, and yeah, clarity of just having that like um, it's almost like the mystery jelly bean type phenomenon of like, ooh, it's uh here's one yeah. of the mystery ones. I wonder what it's going to be, and yeah, there's like surprise is one of the great drivers of like excitement and meaning whether you're talking about art or comedy or storytelling or you know any or or food you know simple something adjacent to cocktails food preparation ooh like i've never seen somebody do this with this ingredient like i can't, that's so clever ah oh, wow it tastes just like this but it's crunchy for example like that type of surprise goes a long way and so yeah i mean i i we we could probably talk for two or three hours about this, but um, but I'm, I'm I love that what you're doing is your, I mean in the video format, which to be fair is a ton of work. I know exactly how much work video is, and so I appreciate you doing that. But I mean, like you're giving yourself a lot of credit for like you know showing people how to do the mise en place, and the mise en place is valuable. But it's it's these it's these little ways of dragging out the these learnings that you've taken from being behind a professional bar that are so attainable behind a home bar, but that really provide more value than the amount of work that they require. And so I'm so glad you're doing that.
1: It's the most helpful thing. It's like, if you think about like, for myself, I think about it now in the same way I think about consulting, right? Like if I'm showing a staff how to make some drinks, like, Hey, we came up with these drinks for this restaurant they're not just learning what a recipe is when we're doing it though, right? Like that drink, that cocktail, whatever we're doing comes with 20 years of restaurant experience behind it. So when we're building it, we're talking technique, you know, at at the bar, for instance, like consulting, technique, posture, um, you know, accuracy, consistency, um, presentation, all these things all packaged into one movement instead of being like, we have to talk about jigger techniques guys shake techniques everything all at one time right because everyone you just need to learn it all all at one time because it's boring otherwise right it's like not a, not a good time so for the yeah you know, the home bartenders man we'll get a pack a lot of info right into like a small small amount of stuff the tea, the tea syrups for my home bartenders is another one too that I love because it's not messy and it's a pretty good way to like just start taking somebody along down the rabbit hole right like well what if you did this like so a simple syrup let's in its most base is hot water sugar right and we and there we go well maybe that hot water is tea now right (laughs) and then so it's a hot tea and sugar and that's the easy thing to make at home right and you you keep pulling them down the rabbit hole when you were talking about like the surprises with textural surprises you know all your mouth surprises you know what i mean but like Cause that's fun. You know what I mean? And the drinking part is supposed to be fun and all these people like you, we are the barkeep, right? They're going to go in their own world and do different things too. And, and, and altruistically, I love them to be awesome at whatever that is. Right. So if they can come to the bar or see the video at home and go, man, I didn't know I could do it like that. What fun. Like for them to take that energy into their home bartending and then let that, you know, Ripple effect out into everything else they
0: do too. Yeah, well, I think what we should do now is tell people where they can check out these videos. So, <laughs> so where where are these things going up? Where okay. can people find okay. so you? Right now, go to
1: um, uh, Riff Raff Drink Co uh, on Instagram. It just started up, right? Um, and um, we will have a website coming soon as well. You can also go to Umbrella Dry Drinks, right? For all, Umbrella Dry Drinks is a, is a place that I do um, consulting for as well. We mentioned it. As, uh, it's in Old Town, Alexandria. St. Uh, 103 St. Asaph. Great place to go as well for references. I'm in there every Saturday too, right? Every Saturday at Umbrella Dry Drinks, I have batch cocktails that we hand out for free because it's legal.
0: What? Um,
1: it's no alcohol. Yeah. So, and, and then you have the ingredients in the store that day with the recipes and, uh, and coordinating videos for people. So they know how to make the drinks. That's awesome. So that's a really helpful, I think that's been a really helpful thing to do as well. We'll have more, like I'm filming a series of things in my house right now. I'm just waiting to put a bunch of them out at one time. So patience that, and also please be patient with me. I was just telling Eric before the podcast, I just had my first um, holiday season, um, not working in a restaurant for like, 19 years so um um, i was getting caught up on a little bit of a little bit of rest as well and to be fair i also was in the hospital the day we were launching the company oh my god and i was like come on man yeah we were going yeah we're gonna be out at the mindful drinking festival the first one and you know life was like maybe you should just rest yeah yeah (laughs) Well. So yeah, riff, riff Raff and Umbrella Dry Drinks, guys. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, John, this has been great. We'll have links to everything over on the show notes page at modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast. Yeah, we got to get going here, but I'm going to pick one yeah. of our lightning round questions for you here. We'll go with if you could have a drink or a meal with Anybody in the world, past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you, what would you, uh, what tasty things would you put in your mouth? Just paint us a picture.
1: Oh, oh my God. You know, I I would, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. You know, I would love to, um, I would love to have dinner with De La Soul, Um, all three band members of De La Soul. I get to get them in a group is is my cheat, my hack for it. Um, and I would love to, uh, have them, uh, cook me some food from home. Um, and I just more curious what they would make, uh, because it's my favorite group. If, if, if you're young, De love soul is a group from the eighties. Um, <laughs> 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 they were with the gorillas and that's probably most recently thing they know. Um, actually, you know what though? Cause that's just a fun thing. I'll be honest. Really what I would love to do, cause I still love the hospitality aspect. And then not to make anybody like, oh, that's sad. Uh, like my past or present. like my mom is past, right? But like the most inspiring person I had in my bartending career because she was like, go for it, right? Most parents are like, ah, I would love to cook her food. I'd probably uh, do like, man, as many courses as I could and as many drink pairings with it as I could. Mm. All spirit-free because spirit-free drink pairings, you can't burn your palate out. Um, and so you had to be a little bit more deft with it because they can evolve throughout the whole meal too. And, um, so probably like cook my mom, like a nine course meal with drink pairings, a tasting
0: menu. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, I love that answer. I love, I love that it's, uh, it's sort of designed to convey hospitality to somebody who, who really helped, you know, kind of get you started on your journey. Um, well, john again thank you so much for coming for talking about dry january and na spirits and cocktails and uh thanks most importantly for being my guest here on the modern bar cart podcast
1: Oh man thanks for having me and it's always good to chat with you man it's always fun man always always eye-opening too cheers brother cheers man
0: This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed, non-alcoholic cocktail insights, courtesy of John Schott, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2023.